Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brady, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing well, brother. Thanks for having me on, Zach. Well, thanks so much for coming on. So let me start you off with Notre Dame, Ohio State. All eyes this weekend are on Kyle McCord to see what he's going to look like up against Notre Dame. What type of performance do you think the Ohio State quarterback will give us on Saturday? Well, I I don't think it's so much about Kyle McCord. I think it's more about the offensive line for Ohio State and really the running backs led by Travion Henderson. You know, I think that group is going to do the best they can to try to take the pressure off of Kyle McCord so he doesn't have to win it with his arm. I mean, remember, this is a Notre Dame defense that only gave up 21 points to Ohio State last year. That was their lowest output, and they've gotten deeper and they've gotten better. And so I, I think it's, it's a tall task to then ask a guy, Kyle McCord, in his first year starting to go on the road to South Bend and try to be able to dice up a defense that's been really stingy so far this season. Maybe not so much tested, but uh, potentially have to go you know, throw for throw with a guy like Sam Hartman, who's one of the most prolific quarterbacks we've seen out of the ACC and now doing the same thing at Notre Dame so far. So I, I think it's going to be more about you know, Ohio State and if they can run the football and if they can't, and they have to rely on Kyle McCord, that could be a tall order, even as talented as they are on the outside of wide receiver. Yeah, I know when we always talk about these games, and you know it better than anybody, we all talk about the quarterbacks, right? I started off with Kyle McCord. You, of course, talk about Sam Hartman. But the last two years with Ohio State, when they were exposed up against Michigan, they just got beat up in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and then the running backs for Michigan just took care of them. Like, when I look at Notre Dame, I can't wait to see what type of game Audrick Estime has because the first few weeks of the season, he's looked like a stud, and I want to see if Ohio State could slow him down. Yeah, and they've really got a stable of backs, even behind Audrick Estime. You know, when you're looking at, like, Love, their freshman, uh, you'll see him little number 12, he gets out there. Um, and, there's, and there's really five backs that you'll kind of rotate through and see. Audrick Estime actually leads the country right now and uh, in total yards as a running back. But um, they, they've got a great group. Um, they obviously mix them in, kind of play to their strengths. The offensive line probably never gets enough credit. I mean, you know, if you look at Joel, he's arguably the best um, left tackle in the country. You know, there's a few other people that might be in the conversation for that, but he's amazing. Blake Fisher at the other side, the amazing Zeke Coral, and then the inside at center is great. The two guards are inexperienced, but, you know, for the most part, um, they've, they've really been able to pound and physically 
uh, dominate teams thus far. I think this is going to be by far and away their greatest challenge really this entire season. I mean, this Ohio State defensive front is, is sound, they're solid. They're, they're probably best um, suited up front in the interior. Uh, there's no Chase Youngs on the edge. Uh, however, the, the tackles will be tested. I mean, this is the best defensive front Notre Dame's seen yet to date. So um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how Notre Dame goes about trying to run the football. I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see Sam Hartman keeping the football a little bit more, too, uh, utilizing some of his legs as well. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1, no confidence, 10, most confidence you've ever had, how confident are you that Notre Dame will get the job done? 10. I mean, I, I saw this team week zero up close and personal in Dublin, Ireland, and, and granted, it wasn't so much about being there for their, them playing Navy. It was just seeing the team and seeing the, the size, the depth they have really in the trenches, looking at their skill positions. They're as long and as athletic and as skillful as I've seen in my lifetime, so um, this is a group that's been they've recruited well, they've developed well, um, they've kind of been primed now to try to have that breakthrough. And I think Sam Hardman's the guy that's now opening so many things up for them on the outside, a wide receiver, where they've had talent. They just haven't been able to have someone who can really stretch the field vertically and then really give them that. And they've got a quarterback now that can do that. I mean, it's it's been a long time since the Notre Dame team has had this much talent on one roster. I think it's going to surprise a lot of Ohio State people. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned – how Ohio State's matched up versus Michigan. This group feels very similar to Michigan as far as how this team is built. They're still built through the running game, dominating you physically, but sound, solid defense. They can get pressure. They can get turnovers. Uh, but now they've got the ability to make the big plays, too, with the quarterback, uh, very similar to how Michigan can do it. So I, we'll see where Ohio State's at because this is going to be the closest thing they'll face before they have to go up uh, to Ann Arbor and have to play the Wolverines. So how far can Notre Dame take it this year? Because when you say 10 out of 10 confidence, they're going to beat Ohio State. That's a pretty big claim. And I like Notre Dame this weekend, let me add. But, you know, this team at the end of the year, how do you think we're talking about the Fighting Irish? Yeah, I think they're going to be potentially a college football playoff contender. I mean, the biggest question is if they do win this one, you know, the the USC game is going to be the biggest USC game probably since I was there back in 05. Now, granted, I mean, you're not talking about a team that was – on a 27-game win streak and won back-to-back national championships. But they've got the reigning, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, their offensive juggernaut. They've gotten better on defense, too, especially through the transfer portal. They've got six guys, basically, who have been starters that they got through the portal this year. So uh, USC is a much better team and much more poised to try to make a run at the college football playoff. And I think if you get through that game, you know, based on how Clemson looks so far, even though that game's down in Clemson, South Carolina, you know, the, the schedule, it's not easy. I mean, Duke, now they're on the road. That's a tough game. Louisville's on the road. That's a tough game. Um, but, but I think they've got a shot, you know, of being that team that I think makes it in if they can go unscathed. If they drop one, it, you know, it, it, you obviously the, the, your fate's not in your hands anymore. You're hoping then that you're going up against, you know, potentially uh, two lost conference champions. That's the only way you can really assure yourself potentially a shot. Uh, but with their strength of schedule, I, I think it's going to play out pretty well that they'll be in the mix at the end of the year. Brady Quinn here with us. So Clemson is vulnerable. Uh, Florida State's clearly a better football team. We know Clemson's been the standard in the ACC, seven out of the last eight years winning the conference. Uh, is Florida State going to take care of them, take care of them pretty good this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's crazy to think, too, that line before the season started, I want to say it was, you know, Clemson, I think given seven or four, whatever it is. You know, now you've got Florida State. I think I believe they're going there, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They're, they're given a point and a half or whatever it is now. I mean, the tough thing for Florida for Clemson is they just don't have the offensive firepower on the outside. Will Shipley's a fantastic back. They also have a stable of backs, but you know Dabo hasn't bought into the transfer portal and NIL as big as some of the other schools, and I think that's hurt them 
at least in recruiting or potentially supplementing their roster uh, to be able to find some of those dynamic playmakers they're accustomed to having on the outside. And you look at Florida State, I mean, they went and got Keon Coleman from Michigan State. He's had a huge impact. They've already got a big target in uh, Johnny Wilson. They got Shaheen Bell from South Carolina at tight end. Those guys are really tough to match up with, and especially when you combine you know, that with the rushing attack for Florida State and Jordan Travis's mobility. So uh, I, I just I don't feel confident that um, Clemson's going to be able to go you know, blow for blow with Florida State if they start you know, you know, scoring some points and, and it becomes a track meet on the field. I think that's my big concern there for Clemson. Brady Quinn here with us. Big noon kickoff, which is sensational. Uh, there'll be Oklahoma-Cincinnati this week. When we get to Ole Miss-Alabama, it's been quarterback roulette for the Crimson Tide through the first three weeks of the season. Now they're going back to Jalen Milrow. They're going up against Ole Miss this weekend. 3.30 p.m. Eastern is kickoff there on CBS. Uh, what does the Alabama offense look like this week if you had to take a stab at it? A lot of running the football. You know, if you're looking at Ole Miss right now, they're getting about 350 yards a game so far. They really haven't played the, the toughest opponents. About half that's on the ground. So I think you're going to see a lot of running the football. Jalen Milrow will obviously be part of that. And they'll sprinkle in and try to build some more concepts to the things he feels comfortable with. Look, everyone's going to make a big deal about what happened last week with USF. I think that was a game that Alabama felt it was very winnable for them. And if they were ever going to try to give a dress rehearsal to Tyler Buckner, who transferred there, or to Ty Simpson, who lost out in the quarterback battle, that was the game to do it. And so we're all going to make a big deal about, you know, hey, you know, Milrose isn't a part of it. They benched some all stuff. It wasn't that. I think they wanted to give these guys some live game reps. You don't have preseason in college football. This is a quarterback battle that dragged on to the start of the season. And that was the game that they selected to try to give those guys a shot. Clearly, that's not the answer. So they go with Milrow now. Uh, I have no reservations whatsoever about Bama. I think there's been an extreme overreaction of what we saw last week. And I think this is one where Alabama's going to take care of business. Their defense has been the most consistent piece for them. I know Lane Kiffin's had success versus, you know, Nick Saban defense in the past, but. You know, Jackson Dart had to carry this team last week running the football. I just don't know that they have the dynamic playmakers on the outside like we've been accustomed to seeing in years past, the, the Jonathan Mingos, the A.J. Browns, you know, et cetera. So uh, I think that's where they may be lacking a little bit, and this is one where Alabama takes care of business. Talking to Brady Quinn right now, uh, UCLA, Utah, if Cam Rising plays, I think they're going to make a decision on it tomorrow. Uh, it's a big plus for Utah, even though they're 3-0. and They've done a heck of a job to start off this season for the back-to-back Pac-12 champs. But what can you realistically expect from Cam Rising coming off that ACL first game back going up against UCLA? It's a great question, Zach, because he's been you know practicing for the past couple of weeks now. We yeah. kept thinking like maybe it was last week he was going to get a chance to play and get out there. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. You know, I know it's it's all based on the, the medical, you know, and, and the docs to clear him, but they probably want to wait till he's as close to 100 percent as possible. And and I spoke with him before the season even started, and he led me to think that he was going to play this year and and he was going to you know show out. Maybe this is that matchup he had circled in his rehab process. But but either way, the, the matchup comes down to UCLA's ability to run the football against that Utah rush defense. That's always so good. Second right now in the Pac-12. You know UCLA's running the crap out of the ball. It's a little skewed because of their last their last game running for about 400 yards. Um, but Utah wants to put this game on the true freshman quarterback Dante Moore. You know he's a five-star recruit, highly talent, you know talented kid. Uh, he's a good decision maker. He, he's checked every you know box so far. But this is that that big challenge. He's a two-time Pac-12 champ. Morgan Scout, their defensive coordinator, knows how to get pressure. He knows how to frustrate young quarterbacks, and, and that's really what it comes down to. If UCLA struggles to run the football, 
I think Utah can take care of business, whether Cam Rising's there or not. Uh, Nate Johnson and, and Bryson Barnes have done a really good job backing up for him there. Staying in the Pac-12, Oregon State, Washington State. Uh, this is going to be a fun one between D.J. Ungalay and then also Ward. Going to be a lot of points in this one. Uh, I think people are sleeping on this Oregon State defense, but uh, what do you think will ultimately determine uh, the, the game between Oregon State and Washington State and Pullman? Yeah, isn't it fun talking about all these all these Pac-12 matchups? Really, the and the conference is going away. It's it's crazy. It's the best it's ever it's been fun. with with eight teams in the top twenty-five, and the conference is dead. Yeah, the, and the, the swan song too. And I, I hear people saying, "Hey, if if Dion would have been at, at CU last year, maybe that they would have worked out a TV rights deal. Who knows? Maybe they would have." But you know, Cam Ward, the quarterback for for Washington State, from Carner Ward, um, he, he's been phenomenal. Like he's one of the best players in college football that you don't hear about because. They can yell as loud as they want from Pullman, and no one on the East Coast is able to see it. Hopefully, people will watch this young man. He is an absolute star. And, and look, he's, he's facing his biggest challenge so far this season. Oregon State's the more complete team, and you're seeing DJ Uyunglele kind of reborn under Jonathan Smith, who, look, look was a former quarterback there at Oregon yeah. State. Really good offensive mind. I, I just think Oregon State is going to be too much for him to ask. I think they'll be able to run the football. DJ useful is really comfortable within the system and defensively it's just too tall of a task. So tight game. Um, but, but I think Oregon state will take care of business versus Washington state. I think it's good also. when you're trying to get the East coast fan involved in Oregon state, Washington state, this is 7 PM Eastern kickoff on Fox. Uh, last thing I'll ask you um, in terms of the games this weekend, we know the biggest story in the sport right now is coach prime with Colorado. They have their biggest task yet going to Eugene going up against the ducks who are a sensational team with Dan Lanning and Bo Nix. Uh, right now, Oregon's a 21-point favorite. Earlier in the week, I plus the 21 points. I just think it's too many points. I expect Oregon to win the game, but I just have too much respect for Colorado to think that they're going to lose this game by 22 or more. Yeah, we've seen it now the past three weeks, and Shador Sanders is an absolute star at the quarterback position. And when you've got a guy who can distribute the football, be as accurate as he is, as poised as he is, uh, and, and the ability to make plays like he did last week, a 98-yard drive, uh, really to help take them into overtime. I mean, He's always going to give you a shot, and, and this is going to be Oregon's, you know, really biggest test so far this year. So it's going to be a track meet. I think both teams will be able to score some points. Eventually, though, as long as Oregon doesn't shoot themselves in the foot like TCU did Week One or Nebraska did Week Two, you know, they should be able to manhandle CU in the trenches, and that's where you know they'll be able to get pressure on Shador Sanders. They'll be able to, you know, obviously run the football at will if they want. And I think that's the battle that CU is up against is these next two weeks. It's the talent of obviously what they're playing with that can match them. Because obviously Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. will be the kind of the star of the highlights. Michael Harrison will play more now with the injury to Travis Hunter, um, you know, uh, the lacerated liver. So Harrison will play more at the tight end spot for CU. And you saw that at the end of last week's game. But, you know, teams can match up evenly with, with their skill. It's, it's really about the trenches. And that's where you know, the Oregons, the USC's are just that much better up front where it's hard to imagine that they're not going to be able to get pressure, not going to be able to do what they want. And ultimately, I'm with you. I think Colorado can keep it close. But it could be miraculous to see them be able to go to Eugene and get a win. But I just I kind of find it hard to believe based on what they're up against right now. If Shador leaves Colorado after this year to go to the pros, is there? I don't think he'll surpass Caleb Williams, but could he move past Drake May in some of these mock drafts, in your opinion? 
You know, maybe. I mean, like as far as the mock drafts go, sure. I'm sure someone's going to throw that out there. As far as what the teams think. Well, and Brady that, Quinn's mock draft, let's go. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would say I have him right up there with them. I mean, obviously you want to see him play a little bit more this year too. But, look, he checks all the boxes. I mean, he's got the prototypical size. He's he's extremely accurate, in particular downfield, which is you know really what the, the game's become at the next level is all the vertical passing games. So, you know, that combined with the athleticism, combined, combined with the fact he's a good decision-maker, you know, he's right there, you know, after those guys. I think you're – Caleb Williams is on an island on his own. That, that guy is yeah. just – he's an alien. You know, he's that talented of a quarterback. He probably should win the Heisman two years in a row. I don't know if they're going to give it to him or not, but he's that damn good. You know, Drake may somewhere after that. He hasn't looked quite as good this year as I think people felt about him last year. And Shador's kind of flew up on the scene. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a debate to be made – between those two, and then obviously there's some others that, that I think we're going to throw in the mix when it's all said and done. Yeah, I'll be curious. Yeah, we're talking about Michael Penix Jr. at the end of this year because personally, I have Washington Brady uh, winning the Pac-12. I feel like uh, we all know that they're a good team, but when it comes to winning the Pac-12, just people are looking elsewhere this year, whether it's USC, you know, Colorado, Oregon, and maybe even Utah for the third straight year. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, Utah gets no love. All they do is just keep going out there and physically beating you up and winning football games, winning Pac-12 championships. It's like, Everyone's like, well, who's, who's going to beat USC? I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that yeah. could. I mean, it, this is, it's a gauntlet for anyone in the Pac-12. It's probably why they wouldn't get a team in the playoff because no one can survive that. I mean, you mentioned Washington. You know, the, the two wide receivers out there right now in their defense, I mean, Sick. they're as good as anyone. Like, like that team should be probably a, a top-six team right now based on how they look. And Michael Penix has been phenomenal. He's helped himself in his draft stock. So, look, I, I gush talking about the Pac-12 because – you turn on the tape, all you're watching is great quarterback play at the college level, so it's a ton of fun. But it's going to be fascinating to see how the next few weeks play out. And I feel bad, but in the final year, it might be the best year for the Pac-12, but they might even play themselves out of being a part of the playoff. All right, last thing I'll ask you, Brady Quinn, from a broadcasting standpoint, you know how special game day is. Now you're on Big Noon, and you guys have done a great job. This weekend you'll be um, at Cincinnati for Oklahoma, Cincinnati, uh, to hear people now say that they think Big Noon, and so I've heard some people say this, Big Noon is a better show than game day. When you hear those compliments and those comments, just what, how does it make you feel, and how do you kind of look at that? Well, it's a huge compliment. I mean, look, game day's been around forever. You know, it was this, the staple that a lot of people grew up turning on. And, you know, all we've tried to do is provide what we feel like is, you know, our, our best form or presentation of college football and, and trying to, have fun, educate people, entertain people, and, and, and really talk about the game that's been so good to us and the game that we love. And so if we're able to change people's habits out there, where, where when they tune out on Saturdays, they're tuning in to Big Noon tick, uh, kickoff at, at 10 a.m. Eastern time, you know, awesome. Like, like that's, that's our goal, obviously, is we want to try to be out there to reach as many people as possible with our way of, of communicating our love for the game of college football. So come join us uh, 10 a.m. Eastern every Saturday on Fox. Uh, you can obviously, you know, see 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 the whole crew having some fun. Uh, it's been, it's, I mean, last week was like a con. I mean, we had Little Wayne out there, Sick. Brock was there. It was nuts. I've never, I've never been a part of anything like. It was that. the world's so, biggest frat party. That, that's the way that I described I mean, it. That's, that's one way of putting it. I mean, I feel bad for the kids. I'm not sure they were all able to make it to the. Uh, the late kick at what, <laughs> uh, what, 8 p.m., I think, local time there. A L- lot of naps uh, during the middle of the day. There's no no doubt about it. You wake up at probably 7 and go, up. Oh, got an hour to get ready for the game. Anyway, Brady Quinn, keep on kicking ass. Always appreciate when you join us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Zach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.